Welcome to the Advent Houston podcast. At Advent, our mission is to embrace, embody, and extend the grace of Jesus Christ to the Texas Medical Center, Rice University, and the surrounding neighborhood. We're glad that you're here with us today. Good morning again. I realized I didn't introduce myself uh, before. My name is Taylor Leachman. I'm the pastor here at Advent, and it's a joy uh, to be together with you all, particularly considering um, uh, that we're going through a series um, as we launch Advent. Uh, we're going through a series on, on our mission and our values. And so uh, at Advent, we believe that our mission is uh, to embrace, embody, and extend the grace of Jesus Christ. Uh, to the Texas Medical Center, to Rice University, and to the surrounding neighborhoods. And so uh, the last few weeks, we've, we've spent time focusing on the embrace and the embody elements of that mission statement. And now we're coming to the, to the extend aspect of, of what it means uh, to, to fulfill that, um, uh, that mission. Now, you've probably heard people say that, that the church is meant to be a hospital, um, and rightly so, right? It's meant to be a, a place for those who are hurting, who need healing, because that we all actually do, um, because we are all sinners. And in light of that, um, do Christians and does the church have a positive message or ministry? Right? Is it merely a, a place of struggling uh, or care for the struggling? Um, kind of for those who seem to be sort of circling the drain, or is there this sort of positive trajectory that we have, uh, if that makes sense? Are we called to do something apart from caring for our own? Um, and so that's what we're going to be talking about together and using the Second Corinthians passage uh, to do so. And so I'm going to read for us now Second uh, Corinthians 5, verses 16 uh, to 21. Feel free to follow along with me in your bulletin. This is Paul speaking. He says, From now on, therefore we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. And all of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ... God was reconciling the world to himself and not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us, and we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord. Would you all pray with me? Um, Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are reconciling all things in Christ. And Lord, as we consider your word together this morning, we pray, Father, that you would give us the right spirit to hear. Lord, that we would not regard you according to the flesh, but we would regard you according to your spirit at work. And may it be so. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Um, how many of y'all listened to the podcast, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill? 
Okay, about half maybe. Um, for those of you all who didn't, there, uh, it was actually, the, I think, one of the few times a Christian podcast has been uh, the top of the Apple charts uh, for, for months on end, almost all of 2021. It was at, uh, toward the top 10 of, of podcasts on Apple uh, on Apple Podcast or, or whatever we call that. Um, so it, it's actually the story uh, of one of the churches in Seattle named Mars Hill and how it grew incredibly fast and incredibly large and basically died in about that same speed, if not faster. Um, and it's not meant to be this piling on of that particular church, but it was instead using that church as an example to talk about what's been a problem in the American church for some time, right? for how we seem to always gravitate toward the gifted pastor over the one with character. Um, not that those two have to be pitted against one another, but sometimes they can be. Or how we seem to prefer the flash of growth to the small and faithful growth of a church. And so the podcast tells a particular story about the Mars Hill pastor named Mark Driscoll. He's very gifted. Um, he was self-taught theologically, and he struggled with any real accountability. And at one point in his ministry, <clears throat> other guys in his broader network, which they began to start called the Gospel Coalition, if you all are familiar with that, they were trying uh, to give him some oversight and care. And uh, they, they largely wanted him to have a mentor who was more seasoned and more character-filled. So they were suggesting people like uh, Piper or, or Tim Keller, uh, older men who embodied the character of Jesus Christ a little bit more. And Mark Driscoll's response, I think, was fascinating and also incredibly sad, where he said, what do I have to learn from them when my ministry is already bigger than theirs? Right? We can easily in ministry make whatever it is that we're doing about us and not about what the Lord is doing. And I've heard so many different sermons about this type of topic of extending God's grace or extending God's kingdom, in which case what we're doing is we're ultimately saying we're the ones who are accomplishing it, right? And so what else do I have to learn from anyone else if I'm doing awesome things? If I am succeeding, what do I have to learn? Or I've heard maybe like a stark overreaction to this type of stuff. Well, they're out there, they're out there kind of living the, the gospel life, but ultimately for themselves. So we're not going to worry about any sort of grace extension, any kind of love of people outside of the walls of the church. We're just going to focus on those who are within. Um, you know, in, in the Presbyterian context, people have called that the frozen chosen, right? Um, but at Advent, we believe that we are called to extend, extend beyond these walls, but we do not do so out of our own strength or according to our own desires, but we do so because God has already begun that process because he's the one who's at work and he invites us to continue in that work. He's done something first. And so Paul here in this particular passage um, has been questioned by the Corinthian church. Uh, on what authority does he have to tell them anything? That's essentially how they've responded to his first and second uh, uh, letters, um, or, or his first letter in particular. People are not sure if this is the second or the third. I forget. Um, they're saying, why should we listen to him? Isn't he the guy that isn't that good of a preacher? 
Right? He, he's no Apollos. Right? That, that, that's who they seemed to prefer. Or why should we listen to him? The things that he's saying are far too severe. Right? This should be a little bit more grace-focused in their mind. Right? So Paul has been defending himself and giving an answer to those that have had a tendency to write him off. And in verse 12, right before our passage, he said, We are not commending ourselves to you again, but we're giving you a cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. He's had a lot of critics, seemingly from outside of the Corinthian church, but possibly inside as well, and he's both defending his ministry and defending the characteristic of his ministry. So what is it that makes Paul, what Paul is doing right and good? He's saying because it's Jesus' ministry. It's not his. It's not Apollos's. It's Jesus's. His ministry is from God. It is this ministry of reconciliation. And that is the ministry that Paul has brought to the Corinthians, and that is the ministry that we are to bring to the world. And so it's into that context that our passage comes. And I want to focus on the passage, instead of like looking at three major points, I want to look at three things that are kind of confusing about the passage. We're going to look at the flesh, then we're going to look at the reconciliation, and finally we're going to look at what it is that are the ministry that we're called to do. So the flesh, reconciliation, and ministry. Um, So let's first look at the flesh. I used to coach a lot of lacrosse, um, and when I, uh, I've probably told this story to some of y'all before. Uh, when I lived in Austin, we first moved to Austin, I started coaching at a high school there called Bowie High School, um, and I was also the youth pastor at a local church called All Saints, and uh, the, 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 the players on my lacrosse team found out that I was a youth pastor, and so they were like, before a game, hey, it'd be really cool to pray before the game, and I was a 24-year-old, and I didn't really know what the rules were in public school. Um, so I was like, I don't know if I'm illegally allowed to do that, so why don't one of y'all pray? Um, and so they, they decided to pray, and we were playing a, a school called Anderson. And uh, I'm like, dear Lord, you know, pray that we would all be safe, and we pray that we would beat those tools at Anderson. Um, and I was like, oh, all right, y'all aren't allowed to pray anymore. Um, and, uh, you know, but it was such they didn't even know not to do that, which I kind of loved, right? Um, because they actually expressed what we all think at times, right? Those people out there are tools, not me, right? If y'all have ever been in Austin, um, Anderson and Bowie are not that different of schools, right? Um, so Paul says at the beginning of our passage that we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ, according to the flesh. See, my lacrosse players at Bowie were regarding others according to the flesh. Flesh here is not meant to pit spirit against body. That's not what's going on here. Rather, it's describing human beings who are not living in a spirit-filled way. Right? Ezekiel talks about seeing a valley of dry bones. Essentially, right, people who um, may be alive physically, but they're, they're ultimately dead. Right? They're not indwelt by the Holy Spirit. So in our flesh or in our sinful state apart from the Holy Spirit, we regard people the wrong way. In our flesh, we other people. Right? They're not like me. They're different. They're tools. They're partiers. They're, they're elites. They're bougie. Right? 
Um, to regard someone according to the flesh is to use man-made categories to view another person and to essentially write them off, right? to justify ourselves and to write them off. And we can not only regard others according to the flesh, but we can regard Jesus according to the flesh. We can think that he is something other than what the scriptures tell us. Right? He's a rogue leader leading others away from the true faith like Paul thought um, in his fleshly state. Or he's a good teacher of a random collection of people. Or as the most recent state of theology poll that was put together by Ligonier and Lifeway said, currently 60% of American evangelicals think that Jesus was just a good man, maybe the Messiah, but definitely not born of God. So even in the American church, we can regard Jesus according to the flesh. According to our flesh, we don't see. We don't see who we are. We don't see who others are. And we don't see who Jesus is. Right? We're in opposition to God, to other, and to the world. And so it's easy to see or to fall back into seeing according to the flesh. To consider peoples or groups as other to think less of them or to think maybe even less of yourself. And we do this in politics especially well right now. So like, if I know that someone's a Republican or a Democrat, then in my mind, right, I know everything about them. Right? Or we break them down by their public identities. But we also do this in our workplaces and in our schools where we look past or we look through someone or we gossip about them or we categorize them. We can do this in church. I, I, I judge you according to what I think a Christian should be or should look like. Do you send your kid to that school, right? That type of thing. But despite our fleshiness, right? Despite the fact that we viewed God and others with enmity, God has done something about it. He's made us a new creation in Christ. The old has gone away and the new is coming. We've been made new, and that leads us to the part of reconciliation. In these few verses, Paul says that Jesus reconciled us and the world to himself. And it's through this reconciliation that there is a new creation. All right, what does he mean? Well, Paul is saying that the ministry of the gospel is a ministry of reconciliation, a ministry of restoring things to the way that they were supposed to be. And the word reconciliation that Paul uses in Greek, it comes from uh, uh, almost an accounting type background. It's, it's a reconciling of different forms uh, of, uh, of currency. So like reconciling the American dollar with the British pound. If you have $20, but you're in England and you need to, to exchange it for pounds, you probably have like 17 or something. Pounds, right? You're reconciling, you're evening out the balance. You're balancing the scales. And Paul is saying that in our sin, our natural state, there is a massive unevening of the scales. Right? There is a debt. It's our debt of sin to God. But not only that, there's this massive disruption in the equilibrium of all things in this world. Right? The imbalance and the need for reconciliation occurs because we rebel in our sin. Right? We don't want to do what God says. We don't want to be who God says. Rather than, than steward God's world on his behalf, the, the world that he created for us, we use it for our own benefit or we worship it. 
And over and over again, as we do that, the scales continue to tip, right? But the ministry of reconciliation is God's work. It's his ministry to us where despite our sin, despite this imbalance, he balances all things. He reconciles the debt. Through Christ's life and death, we are pardoned for our rebellion. Through, through Christ's resurrection, a new creation has come. And through Christ's ascension, a new kingdom is dawning where he will reign over all things. And so he has reconciled the world to himself. He's evening out the scales. He brings harmony where there was chaos. And he reestablishes this order. So this reconciliation is not just personal between us and God, although it is that for all who are united to Jesus by faith. But he reconciles the whole world to himself, this world that's in disarray because of sin. And that means that Jesus has dealt with the problem of sin, the problem of death, but it also means that he's dealt with the problems of our world. That all is being reconciled and being brought back to, to this rightness and goodness. And now if we are in Christ, then we are a part of this new creation. We are a new creation. Right? The seeds of God's new creation are already planted and they've come alive in Christ. Andrew Peterson, who's a, a singer-songwriter, uh, captures this so beautifully in a song about resurrection called Risen Indeed. He says, where has my Jesus gone? He's not dead. He's risen, risen indeed. And he says, and now the flowers bloom like a song of freedom. Behold, the earth is new, if only for the season. And so the seed that died for you becomes a seedling. Just put your hand into the wound that brought your healing. See, he's using this metaphor of the fact that Jesus has died and is now risen as the very seed that is bringing about all of new creation, where all that is going on in this world is dawning, it is blooming, it is coming to life. So the seed that died has brought to life everything that is being reconciled in him. So what does it look like to be a part of this ministry? Well, Paul has said that he... And the other apostles in particular are, are ambassadors of Christ. As he and the other disciples were reconciled to God, they were, they were then given this ministry of reconciliation. They were told to be the first to proclaim that ministry, to bring that ministry. They were an ambassador, right? Uh, an ambassador is someone who represents a king or a leader in a foreign land. So as, as they speak, it's as if the king or that leader speaks. Right, as they do, it's as if that king or that leader does. Their interests are always the king's interests. And that's what Paul is saying. That as apostles in particular, they have now been given the task of taking this ministry of reconciliation from, from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the very ends of the earth. There's this outflowing nature to what it means to go and to tell others. And Paul is chiefly defending his ministry here but as he does so the implications are for all of us yes there's uh he's an ambassador of christ and they've now been given this ministry of reconciliation that all who are in christ are now a part of this reconciliation we're called to tell others about what jesus has done 
that he, as the firstborn of creation, is making all things new and that he's putting all things in the right place, that he's balancing out the scales and he's bringing peace. And so we participate in this. That's why no matter what our profession is, right, our calling is all the same, to be an ambassador for Christ, to be ambassadors of this ministry of reconciliation. Because we bear witness to this new order, this new creation that's dawning. We help to bring reconciliation into all things. To seek maybe the good of our neighbor, right? By telling them about what Jesus has done and by seeking their good. As we do that, we're a part of this ministry of reconciliation. We're a part of making what is true on, in heaven here on earth. As theologian Michael Goheen said in one of the reflection quotes uh, at the front of your bulletin, he says, we live the witness... We say the witness, and we do the witness. I love that. It's simple. Right? We live the reconciliation by demonstrating and committing to reconciling with one another. We, we say the ministry of reconciliation by sharing the good news with others and telling them what Jesus has done. And we do the reconciliation by helping others to see and experience what is happening as the new creation is beginning and dawning. So as physicians or healthcare workers, you're an ambassador of Christ. As a student, as a business leader, as an educator, you are an ambassador of Christ. Right? As you take care of families, you're ambassadors of Christ. In our little corner, in our one square inch that God has given to us, we live the witness, we say the witness, and we do the witness. That's what we mean at Advent when we say we extend the grace of Jesus Christ. We've been made as new creatures in Christ, and now we take this good news to others. We see that God is making all things new, and so we participate in it. We join him in going out and, and setting things right. Not because we have any power to do so, but because he's the one who's already doing it. And there are so many opportunities for the ministry of reconciliation. I, when people sin against us, we're committed to forgiveness and attempting to reconcile. That's one opportunity for the ministry of reconciliation. There are opportunities in our relationships, our workplaces, our neighborhoods. And a part of what I want for us to be and to do at Advent is, is to help one another to better understand what unique calling and one square inch God has given to each of us. Where we can extend that grace in our own ministries of reconciliation. Personally, I would love to help y'all talk about that. Like, let's grab lunch. Let's grab coffee. Let's talk more about who God made you to be and the people and things in your life and gifts that God has given to you that we can be about that ministry of reconciliation. I want to give us a few examples to kind of spur on uh, our imagination. There's little things that we can do. There's a church in California where one, one uh, family just decided, you know what, we're going to get to know our neighbors. And um, one of the things we're going to do, they printed out a bunch of, uh, of cards and invited people to come to their porch. And they were going to cook pancakes. Um, and so their entire street came uh, the very first uh, Saturday that they did it. And they got to know everybody beyond sort of the, the high-buy type relationship that we often have with our neighbors 
They got to know their stories. And ultimately, about a year or so later, they got to walk with at least two of their neighbors through really difficult trying times in marriages or in families. Another example is there was a girl named Jessie from, again, this church in California who, who spent a decade kind of having a ministry to local parks and moms who were taking their children to local parks. And ultimately, it turned into a, a prayer time and a time to talk about the Bible. Um, there's a church in Washington, D.C. that basically throws a massive party uh, for, for, for a neighborhood. And, and, uh, uh, and, and, and we can do all of those types of things, from things as small as learning to love our neighbor better to things that are as big as maybe uh, figuring out a way to bless those who are, who are here uh, for cancer treatment. Whatever that may be, um, we should think creatively about it because the Lord is bringing a new creation that is going to blow our minds, y'all. So how fun is it to be a part of extending that grace to being just a little bit a part of it or even as one of the metaphors in the other reflection quotes talks about it, to be kind of a prequel, right? to, be, um, uh, to be a small uh, trailer of what the new heavens and the new earth are going to be like. That's what it means to be a part of extending God's grace. We don't do it on our own. We don't make anyone come into the kingdom on our own. It is all the Lord's work. But we are the ones who continue to be a signpost, to be uh, a, a direction or a map toward what Jesus is doing in this world and what he has already done. And so as we begin this process of establishing who we are as a church, I want us to consistently remember that God isn't calling us to do the big thing. He's not often calling us to do the bold thing. He's calling us to do the faithful thing, to start small. We have much to learn from people who've been merely faithful. Who, yes, we have, we have ministry. We can learn from people who've been faithful and have smaller ministries than us as well. Um, but let's pursue creative ministry opportunities. May we be a people that desire to see the ministry of reconciliation going forward. We can do so because God is renewing all things in Jesus. He has reconciled us to him. He is reconciling the world to him. And he calls us to take this ministry of reconciliation forward as well. Would you all pray with me as we consider this? Our God and Father, we do thank you. Well, we thank you for what Jesus has done and is doing in the world. That he is bringing... He's bringing um, a new creation. He's reconciling all things to himself. And so I pray, Father, that as those who are united to him by faith, which was not our own doing, even that was a gift from you. May we be a part of what you're doing in the world. Um, may we be a part of giving other people a small foretaste of what that is. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus, by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.